Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet on KDRT 95.7 FM. Today, my good friend Michelle Woodward is back, and we're going to have a lovely conversation. And I will let her introduce the topic that we're going to be talking about today. And just know this is a real nail biter for me. So thanks so much for listening, and I will circle back after our conversation. Back. How do you do to you? Well, I'm pretty happy to be talking to you, but I'm also a little scared. It's only because I came up with the subject, right? Mwahaha. Yes. So you want to share with our listeners what we're going to be yeah. talking about? Yeah, because um, I was thinking, what should we talk about? You sent me the list of things we've talked about in the past. I'm like, yeah, that was good. Oh, that was good. Oh, I like that one. And I... But I was thinking, you know, there are a couple of questions that I've always wanted to ask you and I haven't asked you. And I thought there are probably questions that you've wanted to ask me that you've never asked me. So I thought, wouldn't it be fun to kind of do that, but also to sort of demonstrate to people how do you kindly and thoughtfully and with an abundance of goodwill ask somebody that question that you've been curious about. You know, I have that rule. I have many rules, as you know, but I have that rule. If you wouldn't say something to someone, you don't say it about them. And I think the same thing is about questions. Like, why would I ask our mutual friend, Nona Jordan, something about you instead of just asking you directly? Mm -hmm. I mean, even though we both love Nona Jordan, but still. Well, and I, I love the policy of like, you wouldn't say something about somebody unless you would say it to them, right? And and asking, going straight to the source for the question. And I love that. I am very, I don't like when on my show that the tables get turned because I'm like, oh no. But right. this is an example of me being vulnerable and I can go right. with it. I can play. Right. right. So can I ask my first question? Yes. So you won a national championship in swimming, yes? Yes. 24 hours after you won, what was it like? Because you had worked your way so diligently and so much focus to that point to be able to stand on that podium with the medal around your neck. Then what? That's a really good question. 24 See, hours. I wasn't, I'm not setting you up. I'm just, I'm actually really curious, especially in light of the Olympics and, you know, all those, um, you know, people. Mm -hmm. What is it like when you've reached your goal? And then 24 hours later, what's, what's it like? So, I mean, that just, just even to having that as a goal took so much, you know, you know me, I get in my way quite a bit. So it took so much longer than it needed to because I just didn't have the confidence in myself um, in college. So it took me a few years. It wasn't until my junior in college. Um, there was, in a sense, relief. Let me, and I don't know if I've shared this with you. So in the 200 butterfly, it's not, it's just a race that takes a couple minutes. It's not very long. I've had about a 10 minute conversation in my head during the race, which is not what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to talk to yourself, but you know, like I actually at one point was giving up in the race and I said, Oh, I'm a junior. I can win next year. 
Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. And then at, at the wall, going into finishing lap five, going into lap six, there's eight laps. I went, F this. I'm here right now. Get it done. Right. Like, don't put off because I was it's it's like, you know, when you first asked me this topic or you brought up this topic, I'm like, oh, crap. Right. Because it's that it's that vulnerability. It's that will I be able to show up enough? And it was the same thing that was happening in that race. So it wasn't the best race of my life. I actually raced much better a couple weeks earlier at conference. But it was good because I overcame myself and this drama in my head The um there, so immediately I was just, I was, I remember there was somebody, a parent took a picture where, um, I'm a pretty, uh, mellow, like, you know, not dramatic. I mean, and swimming's kind of like that. Like we saw the Michael Phelps antics after the tuna fly. Some people really bothered them. Right. But, but swimming tends to be, I mean, we had Gary Hall Jr. who became more demonstrative and there've been a little bit more antics, but swimming tends to be more of a humbling sport. So, but I do remember after I won putting my fist into the air and just raising it. I was so relieved and so happy for myself. Um, I was pretty much on cloud nine the next 24 hours. Like, wow, I did that. And, and then it was funny because I remember I came home and um, there are people that are really happy for you. And then there are people that are really jealous of you. Mm -hmm. And so there were some big smackdown moments when I came back. And what was that like? Well, that was like, I think you sometimes we have these beliefs that, oh, once I aspire to this or once I obtain this big goal, then I'm going to be safe or everything. It's going to be this golden path. And then you're like, oh, I'm still the same person that I was before. And um, and that was pretty disheartening because I remember a friend of mine, he uh, he he it was the beginning of the end of our friendship. Hmm. So he really, really struggled with the fact that I had won. And he was in a different sport, but he didn't ex uh, aspire to the same level of success. Did Did you ever think about, uh, like, was that was that your? Did you want to go back and do it again, or or did you feel like, hmm, check that off my list, yay me? No, I did. So I wanted to go back, and I actually trained better, and I was even fitter going into my senior year because um, I wanted to go back and win again, um, but. I did not have the national chain. I got third mm. and it was a shit show in my, I mean, my brain is just sometimes not, a, it's really often not a lovely place to be. And that's why I think I do this work that I do. Um, because I, I, I was really diligent about the training aspect of it and very, very committed. And when I stepped into the, you know, the arena of my competitive pool, um, that's where I wasn't like agile enough because I, I had kind of my junior, I'd established a set list of events that I swam and my senior year going in, I, my freestyle was actually way better my senior year. And instead of swimming the 200 IM, you know, I would have sent if, if I were the coach of myself, you know, that now if I were the coach of myself and I could go back and coach myself, I just said, your, your, your freestyle is rocking it. Swim the five and a free, do not swim the IM. Right. Right. But, I was, and this is where I think we get, we can, as athletes or just in, as humans in our lives, we can be like, no, but this is what I've always done. So this mm -hmm. is what I need to do instead of taking the data at hand. Right. And, and so then I didn't have a very good 200 IM. And then I just kind of struggled and struggled and struggled. And that's like that mental aspect that they talk a lot about at the Olympics or when we watch sports. And so I remember when I went and saw the tuner butterfly 
Um, and that was my last event of my career and the last night I swam at the NC Toys. And uh, Casey, who's the American, he's the Air Force Academy coach. And he's a, he was a stud. I think he was an American record holder. And um, he came up to me and I was just totally stunned. Of, and this is like part of my lack of confidence, but I was stunned that he knew who I was. But hmm. really, like, you know, as a coach, you know who the national, I mean, you know who the top level swimmers are, even if they're not yours, right? And, um, and he came up to me and he just said, you know, you've had one hell of a career. Just go have fun. And I didn't know how to do that. And I remember being at finals that night and just going, I just want this to be over and in tears. And I got third, like I finished well, but I didn't win. You know, and it wasn't reflective of the training I did of my ability to swim fast, but it was me getting my own way. So I did I did want to aspire to be better. I didn't have the confidence in myself. Um, and then I think that's also kind of what led me on this path. I mean, that's one of the reasons that I coach swimming, because I want to help kids get out of their own way. Mm -hmm. um, and then that's why I work with my clients and helping them get out of their own way. You know, you said something that I also think is worth talking about in a little bit more detail is like, when do you trust your coach to see something you yeah. don't see and make a recommendation like maybe you should go, um, you should swim this event or you should do this thing. And when do you like hear somebody giving you that advice and say, they don't know what they're talking about. Do you know what I mean? I, I hear people all the time in my work who come and say, well, yeah, I know we taught, we coached about this the other day, but I was just talking with my friend mm -hmm. and my friend said, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And I want to, you know, I want to say, who, who do you trust? You know what I mean? Who do you trust here? Some guy that you just met at Starbucks who said that maybe your resume needs to look a different way or that you shouldn't do what you just committed to do? Do you know? Well, and I think, so like, again, going back to the Olympic, you know, um, so Michael Phelps had, I mean, he and Bob Bowman have had a phenomenal coaching relationship because he's been with Phelps his whole life, essentially. Right. And, and that's a real rarity. Like I was reading that article that you sent me about Simone Manuel's coach. You know, she coached her from like 11 until she went off to college at Stanford. And then now she has a coach at Stanford or Katie Ledecky is going to be transitioning to Stanford, but she's had, she, Katie Ledecky had Yuri going into 2012. Then 2012, that summer, she had this phenomenal coach, John Urbanchek. He used to coach the Michigan men. And then since then, she's had Bruce Gimmel, right? But the one thing that Katie Ledecky will say, she's like, I do what my coach tells me to do. I, she doesn't question it. Like, she's all in. She makes that commitment. And I think what happens to be able to tr know who you trust, you have to trust yourself. And then being able to trust who are the right people. Because I think sometimes when we listen to those other people, like a random Starbucks person, right, we may not trust ourselves. And then if we can't trust ourselves, we can't trust other people. We that's right. I, I agree. And, um, you know, that's one of the foundational pieces of this um, process that I use, the five behaviors of a cohesive team, is that to really trust somebody, you have to know them. So, you know, Katie knows Bruce. I mean, you know, the way he wept, you know, when she did so well, you, you only establish trust when you know somebody else and they know you. It is, trust is reciprocal, mm -hmm. the best kind of trust. And so I may not, I may listen to the guy at Starbucks, random Starbucks guy, but I don't actually know him. Um, he's never really told me anything important about his life. Mm -hmm. Um. And so how, you know, who am I going to 
I, I don't have to listen to necessarily what he says. Mm-hmm. So what question do you have for me? What question sure do you do? Well, you know, the thing I really admire about you is your groundedness and your self-confidence. Oh, I thought you were going to say my hair. No, no, not that. Okay. <laughs> I love your hair too, but the thank confidence. you. I'm growing it out. I was in the, um, I was in the Jamie Lee Curtis short hair thing for a mm-hmm. while. And now I'm, that lasted for about, you know, five weeks. And I thought, what the heck did I do? So now I'm in the, in the very transitional phase. Oh, That's see, I haven't seen you. Cause right now, as I look at you, I'm seeing you're a different picture of you. I know. So what do you want to know? <laughs> what do you want to know? Confidence. Uh, like, where does that come from? Like we've talked about my struggle, right? My lack of confidence and how it got in my way. And, but you just have this like grounding confidence in yourself. And where does that come from? I really think in my particular case and in other people I've observed um, who have sort of a a confidence and a grounding, it comes from actually having had a ton of challenges in life. You know, I think that challenges can break you, um, but there's that picture that goes around on Facebook every couple of years of a broken bowl that's been, the crack has been filled with gold. It's like, I am stronger in my broken places. Mm-hmm. And because I've had so many setbacks in my life, um, instead of seeing those as sort of some sort of referendum on my worthiness, I see them as opportunities to get stronger. So perhaps that's just a mindset thing. But, you know, when you when you have had your heart broken so many times, you've had... Uh, opportunities, work opportunities come and go. You know, um, I've held some of those coveted roles, professional roles in that in the world, and they've all gone away. <laughs> Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I think all of that adds up to a self, a really resilient um, self. And I can choose to be bitter, or I could choose to be better. Mm-hmm. And I've always chosen to be better. So it sounds like you have had this growth mindset. Have you always had it? Well, you know, I forget the past. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, I've always had the ability to kind of let the past be the past. So let me think, have I always had that growth mindset? I uh, don't think. I think, no, I think I was pretty much... I think I was pretty unconscious for a long period of time. Um, and I think I did what the, you know, what people said, here's how you do, here's what happens. This is what success looks like. This is how you get it. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly did what I thought I should do, but I've also always been the person. And I was on the phone with a client a little, just before you and I talked. And this client was saying, you know, Michelle, um, I can start a new job and within four months, you know, I'm, I'm been asked to lead a team and within eight months I've been promoted to vice president. And she said, and I could say that that's weird. She said, but it happens so often that I have to accept that this is what it is for me. That's kind of the way it is for me. I can't tell you how many times in so many situations you know, people turn to me and say, Michelle, could you get the room to quiet down? Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. You know, or Michelle, the person that was supposed to do this thing didn't show up. Would you lead the meeting? 
I was actually thinking about this yesterday. Um, back in the day, I was in my kid's PTA, and I got a call from this woman named Melanie Bloom, whose husband was David Bloom uh, with NBC News, and she was the going to be PTA president. And she said, hey, you're going to be PTA president next year. And I said, no, 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 you are. And she said, no, David got the Today Show. We're going to New York. So I've told everybody you're going to be PTA president. <laughs> I'm like, okay, thanks. So I became PTA president. So, you know, that's just the way it is for me mm-hmm. um, in my life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's interesting. I think something you said was really, well, a lot of what you said was very important, but this idea that confidence comes from having gone through a ton of challenges in your life. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think that's, especially like when thinking of the, the kids that I coach, right? The monsters. And a lot of times, and I just had this conversation with a new family yesterday, it's, we want this to be easy for our child so they can have confidence in them. And later I was walking out the door and I was thinking, I'm like, wait a second. It's about when the child can overcome this, that's where they're going to get their confidence from. Right. When they can see that, hey, this is a struggle, but I can get better. That's what their Mm. confidence Well, so my sweet daughter, who, you know, is 20 years old, left on Sunday uh, to spend a semester at the Stockholm School of Economics. And um, so she upgraded her. She made her flight arrangements herself. She upgraded her seat so that she could take an extra bag. when she got, she flew from Washington, D.C. to Munich and then Munich to Stockholm. When she got to Munich, her upgraded seat allowed her to go to the Lufthansa lounge. So she went to the Lufthansa lounge to change because she knew when she got to Stockholm, she was going directly to a dinner. So she changed in, in uh, Munich. When she got to Stockholm, she, you know, had a roll-on she had a backpack, a rolling suitcase, and two um, duffel bags because she's there till December. And she wrangled all that through customs. She had arranged to have a car and driver meet her so because she had to get to this dinner so the public transportation wouldn't do it. So she, she the guy met her with a sign, mm-hmm. <laughs> took her where she needed to go. The dinner was over when she, by the time she got there because of – her flight delay but the program people were still there so she got an hour with the program people who then got her in a taxi and she got to her apartment met her roommate unpacked went to sleep Mm -hmm. that's a confident 20 year old young woman yes right and she didn't get there because we made it easy for her to ride on the metro Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what i mean she got there because, she, sure, she learned how to hail a taxi, and she learned that sometimes what you do is you have a, you know, if it's a dicey place, you have a car waiting for you. But she she did that on her own. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I don't think we do kids any favor when we hold them in a nest their entire lives because she's going to be living on her own in Stockholm for three months. Mm-hmm. Well. 16 weeks. And I love that. You know, I love that my kid thought, I didn't say to her, are you going to get a car and driver? You're going to get a taxi? How are you going to get? I just said to her, oh, so what's your plan? Mm-hmm. Once you arrive in Stockholm, oh, well, I rented it. I got a car and a driver and it's only $15 and it's 
better than Uber because you know they're going to be there and great. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I love that I have a confident kid who can do that. Mm-hmm. All right. So what's your next question for me? Mm-hmm. I think I already know part of the answer of this. So I, um, and if you don't want to answer it, we can just edit this part. But um, I just wonder, you know, having your your mother being such a tiger mother, mm-hmm. and how, how do you think, um, how do you think having that cultural awareness of the culture she came from influenced you as a a student, a working person, a spouse, and a parent? So, Not to be too much like therapy or anything. I'm just curious yeah. because it is such a um, it's such a rich uh, the Korean culture is such a rich culture of over I mean eons. I just I'm just curious about you that. Have to do it perfectly. Um, <laughs> you, you know that I think I had a lot of resentment or frustration. You know earlier on, and now. Uh, I can watch what my mom, I can look back at what my mom did and, um, you know, so much of who I am obviously is because of her and my mom grew up in a culture where women weren't worthy. Right. And she had a mother who told her that every day and, um, and you had to be the best if you wanted to go to the next level, like academically. So now I can understand my mom's drive and my mom taught me a tremendous work ethic. And that's why, you know, when people look at my life, they're like, really, how do you really do it? I mean, it just seems the norm to me because this is my life. Um, so for me, and then I, I do have a great, my mom was more, you know, you've got to get the A's, right? And I'm definitely, and, and it was more of a fixed mindset. And I'm definitely about how can I learn? Like I have mm-hmm. a, a huge hunger to learn. So they, they kind of come in, you know, like the, pr- the process is the same. I'm not so worried about the outcome like my mom is. Um, but I can understand it coming from how she grew up and the rules of her culture. So I, again, like I used to have when I was younger, I had a lot of resentment about it. But now I, I realize that my mom did the best that she could. And I'm really, really appreciative of it. And, and then the other thing is my mom, for whatever reason, decided to have me swim Right. I mean, that was the hugest uh-huh. gift I could have ever had. I mean, talk about a great learning tool for me. And so in my mom, in that same drive that my mom had, she funneled it into swimming, you know, driving me to practice, taking me to morning practice. I mean, a lot of parents wouldn't do that, you know, going and working all week and then going and volunteering at a swim meet. I mean, my mom was just tenacious like that. And so those are some great things that her tiger mother stuff where I got to benefit. That's great. I was just always been curious about that. And, and, you know, and it's interesting to watch my mom with her own heritage and then, and myself and, and, um, and the racism, you know, I mean, the interesting thing is that, you know, I have such a different life as a mother than she did because my daughter, it looks like my clone. Well, everybody tells me this. I just, when we were at the Grand Canyon, I took a picture of her and I posted on Facebook with next to my husband and I looked and I was like, wow. And that was like the mm. first time I could see myself besides like maybe when we were in, both in second grade and my sister posted, she goes, Oh my gosh, I had to do a double take. Mm. Um, but you know, my, my daughter's whole life, she's always been told she looks like me. We kind of look at each other. We, you know, we have our own blind spots about that, but 
I never looked like my mom. You know, I looked like a white kid and I had this Asian woman with me. So, you know, I mean, I think it's it's interesting because I can now pull out that Korean card like, oh, I'm Korean. Mm-hmm. Most people don't know, um, which is really interesting with a, a half a Korean, you know, a half mm-hmm. Asian because usually the Asian side is pretty dominant. But I so now I'm at this place where I really appreciate it. And, you know, those were great gifts that my mom gave me. And then I choose I take what I need as a parent and, and go from there. Hmm. All right. So now I need a question for you. Um, trust. Yes. How do you trust that things are going to work out? Like, and I mean, and let's talk about it from the business standpoint, right? Because you and I both work, we're entrepreneurs and, um, you know, very different than like when I was tenured and I just knew this is the check that I'm going to get every month, right? This will be my pension. Like I knew that. How do you trust in tomorrow financially? Well, that's an assumption that I do, first of all, no. Um, but, you know, I, I uh, am in my 12th year as a coach and started my own business in 1997. So I am many years into the uh, ebb and flow of having your own business. So, like, for instance, this week is very slow. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also know why this week is very slow. Historically, this week is always slow. Um, you know, and I also know probably next week and the week after will be really, really busy. And so I used to get freaked out when I'd have kind of a slow, like I'd look at my calendar and there would be maybe four appointments scheduled for the whole week. And now I know, well, just appreciate that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, take the most of this week to maybe reach out and, you know, contact people that I'm a little bit out of contact with or something, but rest, read books, go on walks, because in a couple of weeks it's going to be, you know, busy. So I, I think I've been able to create that kind of uh, understanding of the flow of my business that I can, I don't panic. Um, and, and I've also created some, uh, framework within my business. So, you know, I've switched, I have a couple of corporate clients that keep me on retainer Mm -hmm. and the way I've structured the retainer, the retainer fees is that, um, the, the fees that I get on retainer cover my basic nut. Mm -hmm. So I know that as long as those contracts are in place, um, I'm going to make my mortgage and pay my gas bill and, the electric's going to stay on and all that other stuff. So that has also given me a real uh, peace of mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my re- retainer clients now is beginning to wonder if they want to sell the business. And so I'm like, well, I'll have to replace that work. But fortunately, because I have the contract, I know my time frame. Mm-hmm. So I also just believe that if I have the energy, like I was – mentioning I think before we started the recording so I talked to somebody just before you and I got together who says I just went to the CEO and I would like you to come work with us coach our executive team do uh, team building you know sustain team building over time and help us reset our strategic plan I'm like you know just when you think what if, what this co- if this client decides to sell themselves 
then maybe this thing will come in and take that place. Um, and I just, I guess I wake up every morning believing that I've got something to offer and believing that I talk about it enough that the right people are going to come. Because to, to think otherwise is to sort of create that reality. Mm-hmm. You know? I love that. Believing I have something to offer. That's a good one. Do you have another question for me? Yeah. If you weren't doing this, what you what would you be doing? Oh. I weren't doing this. You know, I don't know. I, I'm like really into what I'm doing right now. I don't know what else I would be doing. I even thought about it the other day of if I didn't coach the aqua monsters, because this will come up from time to time. It makes like today, my days goes until 7.30 tonight, right? Like I have a really packed day. I have you, I have a half day intensive. I have three different groups that I'm coaching tonight. Um, And I thought about that. I was like, oh, if I didn't coach in the evenings, I could be done, you know, so much earlier in the day. And then I thought, what would I do with that time? (laughs) I would just be sitting in my house. I don't know if I'd want that. So I don't know. I wouldn't be doing this. What else would I be doing for right now? This is, I, this is what I want to do. And, that, and it may change, right? Because right now my kids are in ninth and 11th grade. So I really want to be home. Right. And I think if they, as they get older, then it may be that I would want to do some traveling, but not right now. I'm really clear about that. So um, I, I will do some traveling, but um, but not right now. So I, for me right now, I'm good. What about you? If you weren't doing this, what would you do? Um, I would probably, I would love to run a well-funded foundation and or nonprofit. That would be a really fun thing to do. Not a, not a fun, uh, nonprofit that is living hand to mouth, but something where, you know, people have seen the need and they've come up with money Mm -hmm. and there's a consistent, you know, endowment or money, or you're in a foundation and you're giving away money. The idea of doing that, um, and building, you know, a small, really great team to support that work. And me, me like using all my coaching skills to really bring it into a workplace. That would just be so fun. Is there a change coming on the horizon for you? Well, I don't know. I am thinking about selling my house. But other than that, no, no, it's just like, you know, because I have been doing this 12 years. And some days there are days that feel a little flat. Mm-hmm. And so if I had, if, if I could really, you know, if I had to do something different, that would be about the only thing I'd want to do. I'd have to run it. You know, I mean, uh-huh. I'd have to be in charge. I'd have to have a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of um, ability to accomplish things. But I do think there's something that would be really wonderful about taking all these executive coaching skills and building a team using all the practices we know that work. Mm-hmm. That would be really exciting. Mm-hmm. So that's all I got. That and uh, write a movie script. I would like to write a movie script. How about what? So there's this woman in Davis, California, who's no, not, not about you. I don't know. But I just think it would be fun to do that. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll do it anyway. Mm-hmm. 
what you said about using the, the coaching skills, right? I mean, that's, I think, one of the things that I love about the Aqua Monsters because with, whether it's managing the staff, uh, working with the parents, you know, or trying to develop the athletes, I get to constantly tap into that and it becomes my, it's like I used to call it my laboratory. Um, and then also like with my clients who own their own companies or CEOs, it's, this is, I, I'm, I'm doing the same work that they have to do. Right. right? So, and I really like that. And, and there'll be, and again, there'll be some days I'll be like, oh my gosh. And my husband goes, this just gives you credibility, right? Because yeah. you're having to do your own work and, um, whether, and again, with employees or, you know, staff and in leading people in a direction, it, it's, it's a, I'm so thankful every day that I have these coaching tools right? <laughs> for myself and for the other people. Um, I don't think I have any other questions for you. Do oh. you have any more? Um, let's talk about believing. You said you believing you have something to offer. Where does that mm -hmm. come from? You know, I guess because I see it every day, mm -hmm. you know, every day I, I'm working with clients every day. Um, I know some coaches don't, but every day I'm working with clients and every day I have people who say in essence, wow. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I could be a dope and say, wow, I had nothing to do with that. Wow. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, that's, it's all about them. But you know, when you have 20 people and they're all saying, wow, the only common denominator is me. Right. Right. Because none of them know each other, all that stuff. So there must be something I'm doing that's right. Mm -hmm. And so when I see it over and over again, I have to accept that there's something that I'm doing that that is making a difference and having an impact. Mm -hmm. And it can be the, you know, it can be a question. It can be approach. It can be um, sharing knowledge. I mean, it doesn't I'm not curing cancer. Mm -hmm. Right. But I, I am having an impact. And so I wake up believing today I'm going to have an impact. I don't know who. I don't know how. I don't know what it's going to look like. But I do know I'm going to have an impact today. And I don't mean that in an egotistical way. I just mean that in a like a knowing way. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. And I mean, the other side is that when you just know, like, I'm going to have an impact and you're grounded about that. There's no drama of like, am I good enough? Or, you know, there's not no hustle or um, uh, grabbing, right? It's a different right. energy. It's like, okay, I'm going to make an impact. I'm going to be able to show up, be me, and people will take what they need. Right. I'll show up, be me, and be completely present for that other person. And, um, you know, somebody sent me an email the other day about, you know, how people on Facebook get all riled up about somebody on Facebook and this person was ranting about how the person was a cult, was a cult of personality and blah, blah, blah. And, um, and I just, I do think that there is, especially when you're in a business like ours, there is a way to make coaching all about the coach. Mm -hmm. And I, and that's not at all what I'm talking about. When I say I have an impact it's it's not me bossing or bullying. It's not me being the star. It's actually I have an impact by doing the opposite of all those things. Mm -hmm. And that, I think that's what's unusual is I'm having an impact by actually not trying to have an impact. Mm -hmm. But it goes back to like when, you know, the swimming, 
right? Katie Ledecky or Phelps. I mean, how many people would even, if they walked down the street and saw Bruce Gamel, would they even know who he was? Right. Maybe Bob Bowman a bit more because he tends to go to press conferences with Phelps. Right. But, you know, most people don't know, you know, who, um, who the Olympic coaches were. Right. Right. And th those are the coaches. They're the ones behind the scenes. And then they're the athletes that are up front and center. So that I, that's how I look at it with, with the clients that I work with. Um, and, you know, when you have something to offer, um, it's not something that I think has to be broadcast like you were talking about. Right. You, you, I mean, you were broadcasting this show, but I, I understand what you're talking about. I don't know if I'm saying it very. Specific. No, it's uh, yeah, I know. It goes back to that. Like who's the star, uh -huh. right? To me, the star in the conversation is always and will ever be the client. Mm -hmm. And, and so I wake up knowing I'm going to make a difference today. I'm going to have an impact, but I also wake up knowing that the star is whoever I'm working with. I want to talk about this a little bit. We're totally going off subject, so you can reel me in if you don't want to. But reel you in, okay? Um, you know, it's interesting because there, and whether it's our profession or other professions, there's this like wanting to be famous, or you know, like what's happening in Facebook, and um, versus like versus just getting down and doing the work. And for instance, like you know, my husband's a, a good swim coach and stuff, and a lot of people would want his career, but they would never want to do what he actually does. Right. They would want those limelight moments and they occasionally have come up and I don't know how long he's been coaching, maybe 30 some years. Oh, my gosh. Um, but he's had some you know great moments. But if you saw his day in and day out, he's like on ground. He's on the ground floor. You know, he's leaving the house at five in the morning and he'll coach tonight until what time is he done? Eight o'clock. Most people don't want to do that, but they want that kind of notoriety. Does that make sense? And and yeah. I and I'm wondering with like the younger generation that's coming up and the way that social media is changing and the way that you know everybody can create their own platform, you know, are we are we losing substance or knowledge and then we can kind of be who we want to be without really an understanding? Maybe and I guess what I'm saying is are we more watered down and is the next generation, you know, the younger generations are they trying to fast track that without having a lot to stand on? And I may get a lot of hate mail, what I just said. No, nah, I don't think you're going to get hate mail because, well, so, you know, in, in history, um, people, there have always been people who've been, you know, flash in the pan famous, mm -hmm. you know, uh, that, you know, Andy Warhol says in the future, everybody will be famous for five minutes. The difference is today we have more ways to be famous. You know, you can do a video of yourself in your minivan wearing a Chewbacca mask and for, you know, 10 days or two weeks, everybody's talking about the Chewbacca mom, mm -hmm. right? And so there's that kind of fame and then there's the kind of fame of a, of a Katie Ledecky mm -hmm. or the kind of fame of uh, Anne-Marie Slaughter or... Um, so there, you know, I think we have different levels and different types of fame. I believe that quality and um, thoughtfulness and groundedness always finds its way to being appreciated. You know, I mean, 
there are a lot of people who tried to fake do the Chewbacca mask after that lady did the Chewbacca mask. But her joy and her seemingly authentic presence around that silly mask, it's a really hard thing to fake. So maybe there are more ways to be famous today and more ways to have <clears throat> an audience today than there was 30 years ago. But hard work and, and smart work and um, consistency and constancy, I think always re you always get rewarded in, in a way that feels meaningful. Mm -hmm. like I, I know people, and you know people too, who seem to be there's a gap or there's a hole that they think the only thing that can fill that is being famous. Mm -hmm. And the only famous means being adored for your style and for your contact list and for how Kardashian you are. Mm -hmm. And and I think there have probably always been those people. It's just that they have a different way of being um, seen today. Yet in the long run, I do believe people ultimately want some sort of substance. I don't know. What do you think? No, I, I, I think people, well, I do think people want some sort of substance. I think they're, um, it's that whole, you know, squirrel. This is, this seems sexy and fun and this is great. But then as they go through the process, right, I do think people want, or at least, I don't know, I think maybe the people that I hang out with want really real and authentic. Um, so, and then the other thing, I think it also goes back to like, well, what is success? And, you know, when, as you were talking, I thought about Warren Buffett, right? He's one of the wealthiest men that we know, but there are also some other very successful financial people. We don't even know who their names are. So you don't have right. to be famous to be successful. Like you and I have both have thriving businesses, but we're not famous, Right. right. And well, speak for yourself. I'm huge in Latvia. I'm big in Latvia. No, I'm just, no, but so, like, w w what's your stance toward it? Right. To me, if fame lights on my shoulder, I'll accept it as a consequence of doing really good work. There are other people who, for whatever reason, they think they need to be famous first so that they can do good work. And it, maybe it's just a matter of style or whatever. I, I've also known a lot of famous people. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've known a lot of famous people up close and personal. And I have seen how limited fame can really be, how, um, how impossible it is to kind of have anonymity, uh, to even go to the grocery store without having people snap your picture. Mm -hmm. And I've never wanted that 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 would not make me feel like I am a more fabulous individual, mm -hmm. right? It's not it's not for me. I know that in my heart, it's not for me. If it happens, fine, but it's it's not for me. It's not the thing that I'm creating my d entire day to achieve. Yeah, it'll be, it will be just interesting to see, I guess, how the millennials and as, and maybe I'm becoming an old fogey now, um, 
you know, the, what the boomers thought of the, you know, Gen Xers, but it'll be interesting to see how their work world, their work life evolves, um, from the different messaging, you know, uh, it, it will just be interesting. I'm, I'm kind of fascinated to watch that process unfold. Well, and you know, the oldest millennials are now 35, oh, right? Right. And so, oh, geez. But so that means that there are people who are millennial people who are, who are managing people. You know, there are millennial people who are parents. Um, there are millennial people who have created businesses. And what I see is they're much more of a collaborative and connected generation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so for the, those folks, social media is not like, what the, what, how do we do this? What is this Snapchat thing? <laughs> um, but it's a way to stay connected and to stay uh, actually collaborating where you may or I may look at them posting, should it be, should I wear this tie or that tie? With this shirt or that shirt is like, what is up with that? But for them, that's a way for them to collaborate with their people. Mm -hmm. I think it's okay. Yeah. Well, Michelle, thank you for coming back. Well, thank you. It's always a pleasure and I can't wait till next time. Neither can I. Thank you so much. Love talking. Thank you. All right. I survived. I can tell you guys this. When she brought up this topic, I went, ooh, questions? What are you going to ask me? I don't know. I'm not in control. Those are the little voices in my head. And then I said, oh, Karen, just be brave. You can do this. This is Michelle. These are your people who listen. Let's show up and see. And it wasn't that bad. And she didn't have as many questions as I thought she was going to have. So that all worked out. And then we got to talk a little bit about stuff that I've been just kind of rumbling in the back of my brain and working on. So maybe I'll get the hate mail about some of my opinions about what I think of this next generation. And just the fame thing is just fascinating to me and how we use these different platforms. And what does it mean? But I want to circle back to some of the topics that she and I talked about, like, and I was so surprised that she wanted to talk about my swimming. And what was those 24 hours like afterwards? And I just remember I had this belief that everything was going to be fixed. All of my problems, all of the stuff that I came from was going to be fixed because now I had arrived. And I don't know if that was within the 24 hours. I think there was a lot of relief and a lot of joy and the, this idea that when you set out for this goal that my freshman year I didn't even think was possible. And I remember I had some friends who were national champions and going, wow, if they could do that, why can't I do that? Like, because I didn't, I knew them from growing up and I thought, well, they're not special, not in that way, but it wasn't, it was like, they're just like me. And that's always been the purpose of the show is that if this is possible for my guest or myself, what is possible for you? Because in the end, we're all humans. In the end, we all have our struggles and our challenges. And weren't you surprised when Michelle, and I know her backstory, but when she talked about her confidence comes from those struggles that she's overcome. I used to think, and I think definitely back when I was in college, it was, there were the different paths. And unfortunately I got down a, uh, the wrong path. And part of my process was when I aspired for great things in my life and then I got them. And then I realized that I wasn't going to be on this golden path, that there were still going to be future struggles. And now I just know that. And I accept that about my life that, you know, life is good. I live a really good life in most days I'm living my dream. 
that doesn't mean that there aren't frustrations or irritations or, you know, wanting to have less full of a schedule. Because the reality is like, even when I look at today, and I've had to take many deep breaths all week, I chose my schedule for today. I could have said no to things, but I chose it, I put it on. And then I will get through it. This is not how I like to set up this day. But this is what I chose to do. And it's a good reminder for the next time this opportunity comes up, I can say no, because I'll have this very vividly in my brain. And at the other side of it is that I took care of myself going into today because I know yesterday, today, and the next two days are going to be really long days, really. And they can be, I can sit there and fondle that. They're going to be hard days and make it a struggle, but I don't need to add to what is already going to be, you know, stretching me. And then I'll have a nice Monday day off. And that will be a beautiful thing because I'm recording this the weekend going into Labor Day. So some of you will be having a nice three-day weekend. And I, on the other hand, will have a nice one-day weekend. And that's okay. Like, that's what I chose. I'm the one that said yes to these things. And so that's the beauty of my life. So when I achieved that level of success, it didn't give me the confidence and it didn't give me the promised land and now I was forever in the promised land or fixed me. But what it did teach me is that when I believe in myself and I'm willing to do the work and I'm willing to commit and be vulnerable, and that's the huge thing. Like I didn't know that word then, but when I'm willing to be vulnerable, like I was that day or even on the show today with Michelle and you, is that I can do my life. And even the next year I committed even at a higher level with my training and I was willing to, you know, so often I'll, I'll hear athletes say, well, why really put all in? Because I'm not guaranteed an outcome. But the thing I'm very proud of my senior year is that I went all in until I got to the race point. But I, those were the skill sets that I had. Now at 44, I have much different skill sets 23 years later. But a lot of the drive to have the skills and the tools that I have now came from that experience or came from my struggles in my childhood or came from my struggles in my 20s or my 30s, right? That's why today I stand here with these skills and much more confidence because of the struggles I've had to overcome. And I want to bring that back up about this idea that, you know, with our children, especially, it takes so much courage to let them go through struggle. And we want to beat ourselves up and say, am I doing it wrong? What's wrong with me if I were a better parent? Or I don't want my kid to struggle. But think about your life. Aren't the greatest areas of your life where you've overcome the struggle? And versus when something was easy. And I, you know, and there's so many things in my life where I was like, well, this is easy, of course. What, what's the big deal? I didn't really garner much attention or think that I'd done much from that. But those struggles that I've overcome and that I can do it, I'm like, wow, even like when I used to do Bikram, so struggled with Bikram in so many ways. But then when I could finally do a pose, I'm like, oh my gosh, I could do it. It was so fun. I mean, and that's where fun comes from, or at least for me, maybe for you, it doesn't, maybe I'm just an overcoming junkie and that's okay. But letting our kids overcome, and obviously there are parameters and there's boundaries that go on. We're not going to say, well, you're five, now figure out how to cook for yourself because it's there's age appropriate abilities. But having that confidence, and that leads me into the trust, trusting yourself, huge, huge. 
this is, I work on this with clients all the time, like where you can cultivate a relationship where you trust yourself. One of the ways is that if you say you're going to do something, make sure you do it because then you develop a relationship with yourself where you are trusting yourself, honoring commitments to yourself. Those are the hardest ones. They're really, really hard to honor our commitments to ourselves, especially if you've, if you've been taught and culturally, especially women, that you're supposed to take care of everybody else before you take care of yourself. But honoring commitments to yourself, trusting yourself. If you say you're going to do something, you do it. Following through, you know, talking to yourself in a manner where it can cultivate trust instead of self-hatred. But when you can trust yourself and know what your values are and know who you are, then you can start to look at the other people around you and the insight that people are giving you. One of the things that Brene Brown says is that uh, if people aren't on the arena floor with you, their opinion doesn't matter. And that doesn't mean nobody's opinion matters, right? I just was having a conversation this morning about this and getting feedback from people. And I said, the thing is to be really careful about who you get feedback from. Because sometimes people may be giving you information, but they may not know anything about it. Or they may be giving you information because of their own fears or not lack of trust. So being really careful about where you get feedback, but always checking in with yourself. You know, is this in line with my values? Is this in line with my priorities? Is this in line with the company that I'm leading, the organization that I'm leading, right? And you're not going to be able to please everybody, but then you hold your ship steady. So trusting yourself is really important and trusting the team that you build around you, whether they're family members, friends, professional relationships you may have, but having trust with them, trusting yourself and trusting them. And that doesn't mean blind trust, right? Never blind trust, but really checking in. Can you trust yourself? And do you trust them? And what aspects? Maybe there's certain aspects that you trust them about. Maybe working with you that you trust them, but you wouldn't want them to work with your kids. That's fine. Everybody has their own strengths. I loved how Michelle talked about um, choosing to be bitter or choosing to be better. Which one do you choose? Do you choose to be better or do you choose to be bitter? That's a great way because it's always a choice. Like you hear me say this all the time. You get to choose the thoughts that you think. You get to choose how you want to act. So she's talked about choosing to be better or choosing to be better. She'd rather choose to be better, right? She chooses to the stories that she wants to follow, like when we were talking about trusting in tomorrow financially. That for a lot of people, we live in this scarcity culture. And so we don't want to, you know, we're like, oh, fear, fear, fear. But she chooses to believe that she has something to offer. So if you're an entrepreneur out there, you can choose to believe it. Yes, you need substance to back it up. But going in, you know, versus when you're able to do it from that place, from this belief that you have something to offer versus if you had this belief you don't have anything to offer and who are you, that creates a lot of drama and that takes up a lot of energy, right? I mean, going back to something simple. We all know I have a weekly coffee date Fridays done. It's on my calendar. I schedule around it. It's done for the most part. We're always there unless one of us are on vacation or maybe a work things comes up, but we are committed to that. So there's no drama throughout the week of when are we going to meet? Where are we going to meet? It's done. I love that. It's like the more I can get other areas simplified in my life like that, it makes it easier versus the friend that you're trying to hook up with, but it's like takes 12 texts or a phone call that takes a lot of energy. When you choose 
to not believe in yourself or what you have to offer and never a lie, but like what you authentically have to offer, it creates a lot of drama when you don't choose to believe in yourself. And then it's like, well, maybe this or maybe that, or who do I listen to? Do I listen to my coach who I'm working with? Do I listen to my friend? Do I listen to my mom? You know, listening to all these other people's opinions. What is your own opinion? Think about that. All right, I want to do a big shout out to www, or excuse me, not www, to wwuser12345. Thank you so much for doing the work to leave an iTunes review that helps the show. And then here's the crazy thing, you guys. I have listeners who come and tell me that, oh my gosh, I read through the reviews to see what people liked. And then I went to those shows. So if you love something, go share what you love. I mean, we're talking about over 500 shows in a month. I'm going to have 10 years of shows. It's a lot of flipping content, right? But there's some really great shows that are in the archives from years ago. I'm doing my show in a different way now. So when you leave an iTunes review, it also helps people who are coming that are trying to find something. So user one, two, three, four, five. Thank you so much. I'm glad that I can be a part of your life. It is an honor and a privilege. And you guys, thanks so much for listening. And until next time, I'm smiling big for you. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wild.